1: Hey, security peeps, we are live with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome leaders hire great talent. And it is one of our special editions tonight. Super excited to have Julie Broadway back with us. She is from Federal Career Connections. And as you all know, every once a month at the last, I believe it's the third Wednesday fourth, of the month, fourth. fourth sorry, fourth Wednesday of the month, every single month at seven PM Eastern Time, we have a representative from Federal Career Connection come on and talk to us about the federal job hunt. And I know you all, before we introduce Julie, are so. Actively looking for opportunities, just as a whole, and Julie is here to share her expertise with us around job applications, federal job applications, which I know are so complicated for us, for for us folks that are mostly um, in the commercial space. Looking at those job applications, are like, OMG, what is going on here? So, Julie, I want to introduce you. Julie, she's been doing amazing work. She's at Federal Career Connection, she is a um, direct assistant director. I
2: actually am just the HR advisor now. So, i I've, I've a kind of little roll over to, to be more specialized and make sure that. You know I'm able to to concentrate on these types of questions, so I'm so excited to see everyone tonight, and can't wait to see the questions as they come in.
1: Good, good stuff. So um, we're going to kick it off. I'm going to kick it off by saying that, like I said before, it's so challenging. I think for people who are not. In cybersecurity, I mean I'm not, not only cybersecurity, but not in the on the federal side right. to understand the process of going through a federal application. Um, typically when on the commercial side, you know, the commercial folks tend to make it really, really easy for people to apply. So there's a press a button on LinkedIn you know, you could just put your LinkedIn um, profile in there and that's an easy apply. Or you'll see positions on Indeed and all the other websites and it'll say, just press a button, you know, upload your resume, that's it. It's super duper easy from a candidate perspective. And I know with the federal government, there's this, you know, extensive application process. There's the KSAs, there's, uh, you know, this whole combination of, um, it's not only in your resume, right? Right. So it's the resume, it's answering a ton of questions, you know, depending on the federal agency, it could be really in depth If you know, depending on the level of clearance. So, um, Chris Westbrook was here last month and she talks about the CIA and we all know like, you know, that every job in the CIA is a top secret SCI with Polly correct? I believe she said.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So every role over there is like, you know, the most, the highest level of um, clearance that I believe, you know, if not the highest, one of the highest levels of clearance that you can get. So for folks who may not necessarily want that level of clearance, but are interested in the federal government as a whole, really trying to understand like the different application processes, um, how long it takes what it's like, anything that you can you can offer. And a few comments before we get started with you, Julie. Alex is here. He is. Uh, Clarence is here. He says hi. Hi, Clarence. Clarence. And uh, Jean wants to know, I don't understand. I've been applying with disability for a long time and have not gotten anything yet, which we hear that often, Jean. So, um, you know, we will definitely address that and then um sandra says love your content thank you so much sandra so julie i'm gonna kick it over to you i'm gonna give you the stage
2: okay have
1: you kind of talk to um all of these points as questions start to come in more and more
2: sounds great well um, you are not alone. I, I think that's the biggest, the biggest takeaway that I can say. Um, in fact, we just had a webinar last night where I focused on hiring authorities, and I asked a poll question of, "What is your biggest frustration with the federal hiring process?" And the top three answers were, you know, the application process and understanding what a job series means and matching your skill set to that four-digit number that we associate jobs with. Um, and then resumes. So it is definitely, as Ren- Renee you alluded, it it is a very comprehensive process. But we do that because our our bulk of what we're doing is on the front end versus the back end. Um, I'm sure that there is whereas pressing a link and saying you know send your resume to someone is definitely a, a much more streamlined process on the front end. What comes on the corporate side that's a little bit different in some cases than um, on the federal side is the interview process that that private corporations put you through. Um, In fact, my best friend went through and it was about 10 or 12 different interviews throughout her company as she was, you know, working her way up into that job. And, And typically the federal process is streamlined from that perspective, but, from just if this is your first time, you know, getting into it, or you're an old pro, and um, to the question about disability, we'll definitely get to that. But there are lots of different application processes, and what you might not know is that we do kind of have a check the you know check the box submit your resume type philosophy um, to some of our applications, and that is coming from the direct hire authority. And those particular authorities will be things like the 2210 IT specialist, the cybersecurity schedule A, which we talked a lot about. And all different agencies have their own direct hire authorities, which allow you to network, go to job fairs and hand your resume to and a hiring uh, manager or an HR specialist. It doesn't mean that you won't have to go through qualifications to ensure that you meet them, which is how we ensure a fair and equitable process, which is going through our OPM qualifications and making sure that you meet them. But what it does is streamline that application process to where you're really just handing over a resume. You could get a tentative job offer sometimes on the spot, which is why I really encourage everyone to get out there and find what open job fairs are coming up and network on LinkedIn, make sure that you're optimizing your contacts and and utilizing the platforms and the networking skills that you have to put your foot into the door that way. And there are plenty of, of opportunities for direct hire authority for your cybersecurity peeps. So if you don't know what they are, I highly recommend that you, um, we're going to have a handout that we post on our website, federalcareerconnection.org, and um, it's kind of a synopsis of what we talked about last night, and we'll talk about the direct hire authorities that are available government-wide and give you some resources to better understand how to find which ones are specific to an agency. And um, so don't think that we don't have those flexibilities, but they are um a little bit, you know, more concentrated to specific populations such as yourselves um, in applying for that job. But if you do happen to go through USA jobs, which direct hire announcements can be on there as well. Um, there are some things to consider when you're looking at that job application, and I, Renee, you nailed it right there, the, the knowledge, skills, and abilities section, um, otherwise known as specialized experience. That's going to tell you exactly what you need to know when you're applying for that job of what that manager is looking for m- And your minimum qualifications that you'll be assessed against the major duties as well are going to be a great resource for you in building your resume and tailoring it to that particular job announcement. And don't forget about that questionnaire, you can actually see an advanced copy before you go through the onboarding manager, there should be a link at the bottom of each. as you go to the bottom of each job announcement that will allow you to see it in PDF. And look for those keywords, terminologies, um, things that that manager is looking for. All of that's gonna be spelled out within that questionnaire as well. So to expedite your process and make sure you're getting it through, you're getting through to a hiring manager. Those are my top three things that I would be looking at in a federal job um, application job announcement. So the knowledge, skills, and abilities, specialized experience, the, which tells you what you absolutely have to have, coupled with the major duties, so what you would be doing, and then that questionnaire. It, comprehensively together, that is typically what a job description is and um, one of the ways that you're going to be able to, you know, make sure your resume checks the box, um, and those words and unique phrases that you would only have if you really did that job will be able to shine within your resume. So, I'll kind of pause right there to see, you know, Renee, if you have any questions or if we have any questions.
1: No, I think that, that that's you know, those are some really good points. I am going to put up a couple comments here and questions. Joshua wants to know if I have my clearance expired, how would I get it back? So I'm, I'm assuming it's if his clearance expired, how would he get it back?
2: So that is really dependent upon, I would, I'm going to take a wild guess and say you're not in federal service anymore. Um. So after, once you leave federal service, there's like this two-year period where your clearance is kind of in a limbo state, is how I'll put it. Um, it doesn't mean that you automatically get back in, but it does mean that during that time, should you apply and get a job and need to go through the process again, that within that two year window, it's kind of that philosophy of needing to go back and re-adjudicate every you know, six years for SCI or 10 years if you have a secret clearance. It makes the process go by a little bit quicker. And um, I, I would highly recommend that you get out onto the DS. CA website and take a look at – so they're they're here in charge of the, um, the federal clearance process now under the Department of Defense, and they actually outline point by point um, those specific parts of the processes, answer um, frequently asked questions for applicants as well as federal employees on the clearance process.
1: Okay, cool. And then Shelby wants to know, hello to both of you, what are the educational requirements for federal careers? Are they super focused on four-year degree or more focused on the skill set?
2: So Shelby, you got a, you bring up a really great question that came up this summer. We just saw an executive order come out last summer that kind of shifted the federal government's focus on education and making it um kind of taking us back to the critical priority of you being able to do your job regardless of education. So we've been undergoing a lot of work at the Office of Personal Management and within agencies to relook at our particular positions that currently have education requirements and see if that's actually a necessary aspect of that job or if we can go back to an open, um, you know, job-based, experience-based requirement only. So it is specific to every different type of job. So I couldn't just tell you blanketly um, what it looks like. Um, Within cybersecurity, things like IT do not typically have um, education requirements, but they tend to have certification requirements. So that's something you're going to want to look at the job announcement. You can also get on OPM.gov and do some research there about particular education requirements for jobs that you are um, looking to apply for, and series that you're looking to, you know, to expand your knowledge and, and get in your foot in the door. And um, but if you ever have any questions, Shelby, come check us out at FederalCareerConnection.org. You can submit a question there um, through our um, email box, or you can come to one of our bi-monthly not bi-monthly, twice a month, we have a webinar as well where we can help answer those types of questions.
1: Very cool. Awesome. And then Joshua responded DSC. Uh, so
2: the Defense Security Counterintelligence Agency. I didn't write it down,
1: but I think that's right. Okay. Okay. Cool. You know what I like that you talked about, Julie, that you, you, you know, I think especially in the um commercial space like you said super easy for us to apply on the front end you know we get through the process and then the back end is a little bit more complex so that's when we do the background checks that's when we do the you know the all of the the thorough vetting right. happens on the back end but the front end is easy to get people in the funnel whereas on the federal side, The front end is the tough part. So once you get through all of that, then, you know, getting through the process. But then isn't there an additional back end? Like, they're not really, even though you fill out that form, they're not going through a whole like, okay, we're going to clear you. Like, it's, I guess, a preliminary, hey, this makes sense. This person would be a fit. And then moving them to the front so is it kind of like a little bit of a sandwich
0: <laughs> so it is.
2: that's a really great way of putting it renee um so i would i would definitely look at it like a sandwich and so if i just walk you through a typical application process um you're going to apply for that job your resume is going to be formatted um in an appropriate manner which there are tons of resources out there on federal resumes so um if you have a question about it tonight definitely we'll be happy to answer them but I highly recommend that you get out there and um, and just know there's not one perfect way of doing it so I'll kind of caveat it there so once you submit that application you press send you've ensured that it hundred percent has made it to um, the the application manager and then it shows green and submitted um, what's going to happen is that an HR specialist is going to review um, your resume and your application, um, typically it starts with a certain amount of individuals with a certain score. So, depending upon the number of individuals who apply, they may look at everyone who applied for the job, or they may only look at, you know, everyone who scored a 100 um, if there are thousands of applications which are Possible, um, or even hundreds. They may narrow that scope of score down and go through each individual to ensure that they have the qual- meet the qual- minimum qualifications in order to be passed along to the hiring manager before they move down to the next group. So, if they get through the first group, no one has, you know, for, for whatever reason, they they made it through the questionnaire, um, but they their resume does not reflect the appropriate experience then they'll move to the next group. So a cutoff score does not necessarily mean that you won't get to see a hiring manager, but um, we do have to break it down depending upon the number of applications. And then after that, whoever is deemed eligible goes to a hiring manager for an interview. And there are situations in which managers don't interview. It's entirely up to them or an agency's policies, so that's a part of the process that is not specifically defined. Um, but we always highly recommend it. We want to get to know you. It's not just about your skill set; it's about your behaviors, um, and it also allows you to get to know the hiring manager so that you can ensure that it's a good fit. Um, don't go into anything blindly. Your interview is just as important to to you as it is to them, and then. Let's say that you're selected for that particular position, and then you're gonna go through what we call the tentative, you'll get a tentative job offer. Any onboarding pre-employment requirements are going to, which will have been defined in that job announcement. So it's completely, there's nothing that you're gonna do that isn't disclosed to you in the beginning. So for you guys, it might be a security clearance, a drug test, there might be forms you need to fill out that are specific to that agency. And there may be, you know, additional things that they may, you know, have that that they want you to you know, submit so that on day one, everything's ready to go. You're ready to go into orientation, fill out your new hire paperwork and get started and, and really just, you know, get embedded within that unit very quickly. So, yes, it's it is a lengthy process. I think that most individuals find it frustrating of the fact that they may not hear from a hiring manager, you know, and they've been referred or they haven't heard from HR um, for a long time. But there is a government-wide standard uh, that we are all trying to meet, which is to get to an 80-day hiring process. So from the time we submit an application, um, you know, a request for a a recruit fill um, that we're looking, you know, for an application or for applicant, to the time you come on board. We only want it to be 80 days, and there are agencies that are certainly doing it faster, even with all these things that we've talked about. Um, of course, there's the caveat of the security clearance, which will get better. I'm telling you, it's gonna get better. We're certainly looking at that as, as a government, and certainly now that the Department of Defense is under it, they are looking to you know, optimize that process Right. Um, I highly recommend that you monitor the executive orders that are coming out and the presidential memos, because there is a renewed focus on the security and suitability process.
1: Yeah, Not only
2: to streamline it, but to make sure that it's equitable and that we are looking at things in the best possible manner. Um, so, stay in tune with this, what's going on federally. It's been something that's been in you know hot over the last few years. So Absolutely. it will get better. It will
1: get better. So, Julia, a couple of comments and a couple of questions here, let's yeah, thank you. Um, Cedric, he's always here. Hello, everyone, connecting in, putting the podcast. Hey, Cedric, we're always checking you out, or you're always here, which is awesome. Thank you so much for coming. Sandra says, "I see this on the FedGov dot, uh, FedGov job site quote Location negotiable after selection, United States end quote." Does that mean I can ask for a preference to stay in Texas or can I negotiate based on what they are offering?
2: So it really depends. Um, I've seen that quite often myself. And as you go through the questionnaire, sometimes that alludes to perhaps a narrowed scope of locations as well. Um, but in the end, I would say as an open interpretation, that does mean that perhaps that's a hundred percent telework job. Um if you are looking at large agencies, that absolutely might be what it means. Um, I honestly would give the, the HR specialist a call that's at the bottom of that job announcement and ask them that question. If you go through the application and before you press submit, there's nothing that alludes to you to specific locations. Um, I've seen it where they don't necessarily say, they, they use that terminology, and then within the questionnaire they'll say, well, pick." Pick Texas, pick DC, or pick Atlanta, because that's where they have offices, um, and then it's kind of negotiate by then of where you want to be. Um, so, it's open ended, Sandra. I'm sorry to not be able to confirm that, but I would say, you know, call and ask if you you know aren't getting anything on that job announcement that helps you answer that question, and. If you're qualified there's nothing wrong with with seeing what they can offer you you know maybe pcs funds or a recruitment incentive to get you to come on you know to their location um which the pcs is the moving expenses that would they would pay for perhaps you know they'll offer you a big bonus so just you know utilize your skill set to you know your advantage and and call and ask those questions and see what you can negotiate to either stay or you know, to to help you, you know, get some additional funds to move?
1: You know, it's interesting. That's such a good point. I didn't even realize that they that there are these types of bonuses and funding for relocation for these other, you know, all these other different aspects. And I, you know, Julie, if you could just touch on it a little bit more, because I don't, I don't know if people realize that, i'm sorry guys it it is all good it is all good um i know that uh in the corporate space you know at times not all the time on a case-by-case basis there will be um uh you know, potential sign-on bonuses and things like that and, you know, retention bonus, any, anything to keep people, um, you know, on the hook, so to speak. So I didn't even think about that. When you think about, I, I you know, I'm thinking that federal people, I mean, sorry, non-federal, so commercial folks that have not dipped in, their toe into the space may not even realize that there are these additional incentives to get people over the hump. So if you could share a little bit of that in a, in a you know, in one minute, that's that's my question because I'm curious about that. And then there are a couple other questions coming on. So I'm gonna, as usual, share what the audience is asking about, and then I'll jump in with my own. So um, Rigoberto says, "I applied for a job job. I got referred. I was contacted by the agency for reference. All were submitted. Is this a good sign?"
2: that's an absolutely great sign um i that you're you're making it through the hurdles we not every manager checks references, but again, I highly recommend it for one um your references can are not just you know your supervisors they can be you know colleagues or customers that are just going to you know emphasize the greatness of who you are to that hiring manager so even if they don't ask i i always submit my references because i I want them to ask that question because it the people who don't i mean i've seen managers you know completely discard resumes because they don't you know provide references so always put them in your job application some managers do reference checks up front. Some of them do it on the back end. You never know what they're doing um, as far as what they're, you know, going through in order to you know, narrow down their list. And if you've got a list of 50 people, it may not just be, you, you may have 50 amazing candidates, so you have to get it narrowed down in some way. But I'm so mm-hmm. excited for you, uh, Mr. Fernandez, and I, I really hope the best for you because you're definitely getting towards a tentative job, you know, being considered for a tentative job offer.
1: That's so awesome to hear. That is cool. Uh, Sandra, she said, thanks for the great information. And she uh, appreciates the recommendation. So all the information that you gave prior was awesome. All right. So back to my question.
2: (laughs) This is a really good one. And I completely understand where you're coming from. It's not one that It is one that we talk about, but it's not one that people seem to really absorb, I think, um, And thinking about what you can negotiate. Um, There are some things you can't and some things that um, you can. Um, So some of the things that you can't kind of depend upon the type of agency that you're applying for. So that's where the competitive service versus the accepted service comes into play. On the competitive service side, in order to offer incentives like. Um, We call them the three R's, which are the recruitment, retention, so if you're a current federal employee, um, or the relocation bonuses, those are all three bonuses. They have to be disclosed in the job announcement in order for everyone to know fairly and equitably that we are offering these types of incentives. But for accepted service agencies, it depends upon their job processes and policies. They aren't governed the same way, and so, they they absolutely may be able to offer you that if um, you know, it's within their agency policy that they do that. Um, when you go to job fairs um, and perhaps you're, you know, being considered on the spot through a direct hire authority, those have different conditions as well. So my rule of thumb is to always ask. Um, if you're applying for a job, if it's not listed on the application, Ninety-five percent of the time, you won't be able to ask and receive those authorities. Um, but it never hurts to ask, and we're here to help educate you. But some things that are a little more negotiable for you um, would be things like perhaps student loan repayment. That is something that you could ask your your future um, your future boss for. And um, it's typically disclosed in the, the announcement. But if it's not, and you have student loans. Ask. I know that accepted service agencies, for example, all of the intelligence community are really looking at these incentives, student loan repayment and um, things like PCS, um, the permanent change of station costs. So asking you to move from DC to Texas or whatnot, um, which is where we would pay for you to move, you know, all of those are a little bit flexible for them and certainly something that's helping them to be competitive with the private sector um for the pcs on the competitive side as well it's going to be listed so you'll see in a job announcement where it says no relocation costs are authorized or no permanent change in station costs are authorized so that's where we're saying we're not going to pay for you to move and it'll tell you but maybe we're going to offer you a relocation bonus instead so less money on the front end for an organization um but if you have any questions just ask um, the hr specialist will be able to assist you in navigating that the one thing that people don't do that i wish that you would do when you're applying for jab you're coming in with all of this specialized experience perhaps you're starting in a step one you need to ask for what we call superior qualifications and what it is you'll write up you know an explanation of why you deserve a higher amount of money maybe you make a higher amount of money than you, you would be coming in at. And um, perhaps you are coming in at a 13, but you have been working at, you know, a supervisory technical level as what would be equivalent to a GS-15. Um, you can ask for more money, you, but you, you know, look at the steps, opm.gov lists all of our pay scales So if you go to the policy side and look at pay, you can see what the scale looks like if it happens to be a GS job. And ask, hey, my experience is actually equivalent to a step eight. So let's say that it's about, you know, $120,000. You know, here's the reason why. Bullet it out for them and say, you know, would you please consider me for superior qualifications? Depending upon an agency, the approval process is different, but They do have to come back and tell you why they don't approve it or you could on the spot have more money just because you asked a question. So utilize this particular flexibility to the utmost of your ability for each job that you apply for. You only get this once when you apply for your your federal job as a federal employee, you can't negotiate your salary anymore. Um, unless you have a break of service of more than ninety days, so make sure that on that front end you're getting as much as possible, so that you can, you know, optimize that, move through the step levels or move through, you know, the banding system that they might have, and um, you know, get those incentives on the front end.
1: Wow, I had no idea. I had no idea about the incentives. <laughs> I had no idea that there was a negotiation factor. Um, i think it's interesting because again this is big assumptions right like in the military it's like this is what it is in the federal government it's like this is the you know it's posted out there online this is the range this is the number they give you and that's it so knowing now that there are all these additional incentives very 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 uh interesting and i think you know just a just data point that we I think most people who are outside, probably most people outside of HR and the government, don't even know.
2: I'll be honest with you. There, that's a problem. That is definitely a true statement. Um, I mean, once you're in the specific things like the relocation and retention, or things that you know you can have as a you know a current federal employee, but that front end, I, as an HR specialist, when I was operational, I would have people come. I'm like, don't, uh, tentative offer, look. Look at this experience. You deserve more than a step one. Let's see what we can do. Um, but unfortunately those t- questions don't always get asked and for a variety of reasons. And perhaps it's there's no funding in the organization to, you know, to do it. And so they yeah. kind of have to go with what they've got. But all of this is dependent upon the funding. So just keep that in mind. It's not always because they they don't want to give it to you. and um, but there there's certainly um, if they've got the money and and they're trying to be you know competitive, they they're they're going to, to, to yeah. negotiate with you.
1: So. Absolutely, and the thing is, I I don't even think you know from a government side, I I'm looking at it from a civilian slash you know general public side. So you know on the one hand, the government you know the federal the federal government your your process is the way it is. But I, I'm just thinking about the awareness factor. Like, I don't think, I personally, I was curious because I did not know that this was actually a thing that you could negotiate. And very, people may very well know, like, hey, we can do it. But from the folks on the outside looking in, I think that they would be, um, I don't know. i am am I'm, I'm, I'm honestly just talking about me because I've never gone through a federal career process or a plot or anything like that. So, you know, my assumption, and I don't know if I'm, I'm, I don't know if I am um, unique in this space. I kind of get a vibe that I don't think I am, but my assumption would be, okay, there's a number and that's what it is. Like they, you know, like you all you come up with a, you have your wizardry going on behind the curtain. You come up and you say, okay, Based on Renee's background, her all her stuff and her interviews and everything else, and this job that's a GS 14, 15, whatever it is, okay, she's, you know, the, the the job pays 100K, whatever the number is, right? And then that job that's a GS, whatever GS level is, um, and I know executive is higher up, but most of our folks tend to be in the GS space. So, you know, if it's going to be, unless it's the C-suite, which is executive Um, which is for a different day. Maybe we'll have a a topic on that. Um, But specifically for the folks who are, you know, trying to break in, it's going to be one of these GS levels. And um, that after the interview and after everything goes well and things look great, that we could actually say, is this negotiable or I'm really looking for X. Um, So that was a brand new something that I learned today. Good. I I mean, I had no idea. So I think that's fascinating. And then a relocation uh, package or, you know, these other incentives. Who knew? I didn't know.
2: <laughs> uh, well, they are definitely I mean, I would say that they're coming to to more fruition as we have to become more competitive with the private sector market. In order to get great talent like yourselves, we have to be competitive, not only in the skill sets that we're looking for and, you know, give you that great job that you're going to want to come into, but, you know, competitive pay as well. And, but everyone pretty, if you're on the GS side, I will say nine times out of 10, the job we offer you is going to be step one. We always start at the bottom. Um, Unless you have prior federal service, um, let's say of equivalent, you're going from a thirteen, and a couple of years later you're coming back to a thirteen step four, and we'll look at you know making matching you to what you were. But for everyone else, if this is your brand new start into federal service. Step one is where it's going to start, and you need to negotiate and ask this questions up. But don't forget there are other types of pay plans than just GS that are strictly you know one through fifteen, step one to ten. We also have a variety of different plans that are banded, um, is what we call them, Um, and they typically have ranges. And so a hiring manager and an HR specialist work together to determine the salary level. And so in those particular positions, which are typically specialized in areas, um, for example, acquisition, um, information technology. Some parts of an organization may have these specific little banded areas, and um, you can negotiate for that. And if if that you see something that does not say GS, more than likely it's kind of a banded group, and um, you know, ask the question: Can I have superior qualifications? Can I negotiate for more money? And and see, all they can tell you. is no, so and it's leverage if you get multiple job now, you know um job offers. It's one of those things that becomes a negotiation and you know puts you in the driver's seat to you know get the most out of whatever offers that you have.
1: I love that. I mean, who who would have known? So uh, Thomas says great information. This is Thomas Abel. He says just wish I knew it back when. Like Renee said, I don't think HR at the time knew it too. So. You know, just a very it's just so so informative because the goal, especially when you are an applicant, is to really understand all the all the um negotiation points you have, just being well informed and being aware. And I this is this actually, I'm so intrigued by this that I think I'm gonna put a poll out to see if people knew, if people know that they can negotiate. Just not even anything specifically, but just like, did you know that if you apply, when you apply and you get through the process and some of the federal agencies that neg- you can negotiate, yes or no, and see how many people know that they can? Cause I don't even think they are aware, you know, with all of the all of the perks that are there, which is it's fascinating to me that um the, the you know the different agencies either wouldn't um, p- p- publicize it I guess or. Mm-hmm make people aware, but make, you know, maybe that's a, that's a strategy, right? Like everybody can't come in. I don't know. I don't know. But everybody
2: can't come in at the top. I mean, you're, you're right. Um, But I think that that's where technology itself is changing the way that we do business. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just an HR alone. It's not just what we use. It's how we recruit um, these specialized groups. So I would say that at Federal Career Connection we talk a lot about owning your job, your job application process. And so Getting in touch with these resources, I think I put a couple on the handout that I had previously given you. Maybe we can recycle that of common terms, hiring authorities. But there are several resources, um, like the Complete Idiot's Guide to Federal Jobs, I think is what it's called. Or, if mean, Alex is on here, I'm sure you can post him. Um, the Top Paying Federal Jobs by Catherine Troutman. There are some where HR specialists who are retirees have come back and written some books that would help you navigate you know, the comprehensiveness of the federal application process. But it is really on the individual. As much as we try to, you know, educate, um, OPM has forums all the time. There's only so much content, I think, at this point you can put out. So groups like Federal Career Connection are trying to dispel these myths, and that's why we love these conversations because we want to educate you and we want you to get, you know, we want you to come into federal service because we need your skill sets
1: right right and that's that's the whole thing you know uh the federal service all the agencies need us so it's really for us to be able to especially the people who are struggling to break into the industry i mean it's one thing if you're already in the industry and um you're in cybersecurity, you know to turn around and go complete an application and go through this process unless there's a a compelling reason I understand why a person who, you know, is inundated with work, working 40, 50, 60 plus hours a week, you know, and getting pinged by recruiters all day, why they wouldn't say, okay, I'm going to go and take a certain amount of, you know, dedicate time to doing this. However, the folks out here who are struggling to break into the industry, this is like, I feel almost like a wide open field, like, you know, really understanding how to get through the process would help a lot of people get into this industry, get, you know, get into various agencies, get into this space because it's a lot, um, you know, a lot of people are needed and I don't know how much competition or strong competition not necessarily competition per se cuz people apply all the time but like you know if you were really really strong in your field and other people may not be it could just could be another opportunity so you know the reason why we have these federal career connections is to get people more comfortable in breaking into the federal space and truly um Truly understanding like the whole entire application process. And I know that for for us, Julie, today, it's an hour, so we don't have the time to really break it all completely down. Um, But just sharing this component and sharing that, you know, when you get to this point, you can negotiate things like that, that I, you know, it's a complete mystery when it comes to, to me for sure.
2: (laughs) Well, I don't want to, one of the questions that we have, I don't want to lose track of. So the disability question um, that came up about how, you know, you've got a disability. I don't know if you're a veteran or if you're truly a Schedule A individual with disabilities. Um, I highly recommend that if you're a veteran, you get out on um, the fedshirevets.gov, I believe it is and look at the Disabled Veterans Authorities. It'll walk you through the application process and things that you need to include when you're applying for federal jobs. But the other is Schedule A Hiring Authority, um, which we went into a lot of depth with last night. So uh, you'll have to start coming to Federal Care Connection and we can walk you through these authorities. But I am, for a quick resource, get out on, on the Department of Labor's website, put in Disability Hiring, and there is a resource called the ABCs of dis, um, for applicants, and that will walk you through all of the resources available, the procedures um, in order to you can go through non-competitive hiring as an individual with a disability and a disabled veteran. And then there are resources such as the Bender List, which is through Bender Consulting, that will network your job and resume for you. And then finally, you will have. Um, Oh, now I'm going to have a brain moment. You will have um, Selective Placement Coordinators, is what they're called on opm.gov, Selective Placement Coordinators. And these individuals, it's a list of individuals federal-wide that will help individuals with disabilities to find jobs federally. So please get out there, look at those resources. If you have any questions, connect with me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Tell me that you watched me on this podcast and I will be happy to help you.
1: Awesome. I was here looking for the the disability question. I didn't see it, but um, I'm glad that you addressed that. And then there is um, there is a question here. Joshua says, I love consulting and I don't want to stop and it pays well, but I'm always looking for part-time or temporary opportunities. Do you see ever see jobs like that in the federal government?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely, Joshua. We have them and um, you can actually tailor to your job search on USA Jobs specifically, um, which is the primary mode that I talk about. But um, of course, there are other hiring mechanisms that organizations use. Um, but on USA jobs, when you're doing your filters that will send you reminders for jobs that are available, you'll just select if you want part-time, perhaps intermittent. Um perhaps you're just looking for, you know, a year of employment or you know, four years of employment. You're just, you know, wanting to leave where you are, get some new experience and come back. Um kind of a sabbatical type work. Those are all within the filters and then it will show you. Um I can't tell you how frequently they come up. It depends on an agency and a position, um, but they're there. So just utilize the search engines to your your abilities.
1: Cool. Excellent. So, um, Julie, I know we are about seven minutes out because, um, you know, it is almost coming up on 8 o'clock Eastern, uh, 5 p.m., pacific time but i wanted to know if there were any you know final thoughts when you when you talk about just federal career applications what people can do how i don't know if there's a way to make it easier make it seamless obviously you want to go to federal career connections and make sure that you are connecting with these awesome people julia's phenomenal um the such there's just a whole group of people. Alex is awesome. Chris Westbrook was here talking about the CIA and opportunities over there. And I mean, she's just fascinating too, you know, with her background and being in the CIA. Her mom was in the CIA, which I thought was fascinating. Um so just understanding and um and, and providing information around applying. Because I think that's the way a lot of people may get hung up. They may just fall off the map. Like, I can't complete this anymore. This is really long. Or, mm-hmm. you know, can you give us an idea? And and this is such a broad question. I don't know if you'll we'll be able to answer it. But I'm curious as to if there are any easier entry agencies or easier entry jobs. Anything where, you know, the application process isn't as extensive as, say, for example, like a CIA application, which you know chris said straight up they didn't change it you know you have to put in all that info um they want people who are committed if you can't fill out the application good luck that kind of that kind of a thing so are there any other are there any agencies that are kind of like on the opposite spectrum so
2: there are over, <laughs> that's a really broad question um and not one that i would specifically be able to yeah. answer there are over 400 different federal agencies wow so The application process could be completely different depending upon the flexibilities that they've been provided. But things like direct hire authorities, um, I highly recommend you get out there and research that more and see if you qualify for one of them. I have no doubt that someone in your group applies for at least several of them, let alone just one. Um, And then understanding the, um, the hiring authorities that are applicable to you, the streamlined ones, for example, schedule A with disability or some of the veterans authorities don't require you to compete, and so you really need to utilize your network, get on LinkedIn or other platforms, go to job fairs virtually or not, um, and and utilize you know your networking skills in order to get your foot in the door that way. Um, the only thing I can say just in closing that I would just just be tenacious. Um, even myself, I'm applying for promotion opportunities or reassignments to a different federal agency or a new job. Those, you, you have to be tenacious in your job process and don't just accept an answer because it comes from an automated system. There's a human being that put a code in the back of the system that spits out something that's sent to you in an email that says you weren't qualified or you were cut off. Go and ask them what that means. Um, If you do not believe that it is correct, I've seen decisions like that turned around. And honestly, it ended up changing the trajectory of how a hiring manager was going to go. No one Mm -hmm. is perfect. So... Contact that agency, be diligent about contacting them, and know that there is always a hierarchy in the federal government. If you are not receiving responses, you have plenty of ways to advocate to get those responses through the Office of Personnel Management, your congressman. Um, there are plenty of ways in order for you to get it if you don't feel that you've received um, a quality response. So. Please utilize that. Call and email. Don't just call or email. Do both. Sometimes, both. you know, we are we're over, you know, kind of inundated with information right now and still navigating um, the telework environment. So be tenacious. Come to forums like this so that we can try and, you know, answer and dispel some of the myths or questions that you have. And network, network, network.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Julie, before we run, tell us about your schedule, Federal Career Connections. How often do you have um, informational sessions like these? I know you do so much. You do coaching. You do. I mean, you guys have been around for forever. So I just want to plug Federal Career Connections. Everybody make sure I'm going to make sure that after this podcast, I'll tag everything, tag julie and uh, fcc and, and and everyone else that's involved alex all the people that have been on here in the past um so you know in 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 one minute can you talk to us about how often yeah. what federal career connection is for the people who are listening for the very first time and don't know and how they can reach out to you
2: would love to you so federalcareerconnection.org we're also on linkedin twitter Um, And we have a Facebook page, Um, so come check us out on our our platforms. Um, We are an an ever-growing group of all volunteers who encompass federal hiring managers, um, HR specialists such as myself, or just federal employees that are coming and bringing their specialized experience to help answer these um, these questions about the federal hiring process.
0: And we have Mm -hmm. webinars
2: twice a month, the second and the fourth, or Tuesdays, excuse me, at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Um, And then, of course, we also have ad hoc ones. So check out the calendar on federalcareerconnection.org to find out what our next webinar is. We're having part two of the federal hiring process um, on the 9th of March, I believe, is what that Tuesday is, and where we'll be going over things um what a job series is kind of taking what we talked about yesterday the hiring authorities and plugging it into um helping build out your resume next so we would love for you to come speak to our experts and um you know just streamline yourself through this process
1: excellent awesome well julie once again thank you so so much for being here you are amazing and the team is amazing, you know, coming on here and sharing with this audience information around the federal careers is so important. So many people I know, I mean, I know people people ping me all the time behind the scenes like, hey, how do I get into the federal government? What does my resume lo- need to look like? What is the application process like? Um, you know, and they want to know what I know. And so I'm so, so grateful for you to come on and share, you know, just, you know, this little nugget around the application process. It is very, very, very important uh, because people outside of this space have no idea uh, that this is even possible. So thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much. And for all you folks out there, make sure you connect with Julie. Julie Broadway, she's amazing. She's been on here, gosh, three, four times already in the last six, seven months. Every other month, I feel like she's here. (laughs) giving, sharing her expertise and talking about, you know, breaking into the federal space. So uh, Julie, Julie, any final words before I sign off?
2: No, thank you guys so much. Your questions were awesome. And I look forward to connecting with all of you and, Having you back here. It might not be me, but it could be one of our other experts um the next month on breaking into cybersecurity with the amazing breaking
1: Renee. Into cybersecurity, exactly. Okay. Thank you, Judy. So you. tomorrow, folks, today is um Wednesday, tomorrow is CISO Thursdays, and we have our CISOs on. So be sure to come back and see us tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern. It's our new time. So 1 p.m. 1 p.m. Eastern, um, 10. Am I calculating correctly? Yes. 10 a.m. Pacific. I have to think about it. (laughs) I think that's right. 11 minus 3 or 1 p.m. minus 3. So uh, 11 a.m. Pacific tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern. We have CISO Thursdays, and it's always a hoot, always a fun time. So please come. Please also subscribe we are going to have um a whole lot of things coming when it comes to the podcast just the series as a whole um super excited about it it's not fully baked but it's about to be baked in march it'll be fully baked i believe first second week of march um We have a lot of organizations very interested in in, in coming on with us. A lot of good news. A lot of very interesting stuff when it comes to our podcast and the series. So stay tuned. Subscribe. Please, please go on our YouTube channel and subscribe. Um, And you will start to see. Well, we'll announce it when it's ready. Probably in the next one to two weeks. Um, And so you'll get all the the good stuff from Breaking into Cyber, which since, since we're now two and a half years old we're almost we're almost we'll be three years old in september
2: that is congratulations
1: (laughs) we'll be three years old we're at about 200 podcasts so it's awesome um and yeah it's just growing by leaps and bounds and other people want to get involved so this this is going to be good so a ton of thank yous here joanne says thank you alton says thank you ryan carroll bb is here hey bb and cedric says thank you so thank you all i am running because i'm late for another meeting (laughs) have a great
2: night everyone Bye. bye
1: everybody